we now come to what might be the most interesting chapter in the whole of Exodus. And uh, it's a long-ish chapter, but uh, and there's a lot. Uh, I've been I've been making notes, personal notes, you know, like my own comments as I go through in a document, that, you know, that I keep. And I have got a lot of notes on this chapter, and I can't even share them all with you. But there just seems to be a lot in there. But I'll just share with you two or three key things. But let's read Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, Take off the golden rings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons and of your daughters and bring them to me. All the people took off the golden rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He received what they handed him, fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a moulded calf. Then they said, These are your gods, Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to Yahweh. They rose up early on the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Moses, Yahweh spoke to Moses, Go, get down for your people who you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned away quickly from the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a moulded calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, These are your gods, Israel, which brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Yahweh said to Moses, I have seen these people, and behold, they are a stiff-necked people. Now therefore leave me alone, that my wrath may burn hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of you a great nation. Moses begged Yahweh his God and said, Yahweh, why does your wrath burn hot against your people that you have brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians talk saying he brought them out of Egypt to kill them in the mountains and to consume them from the surface of the earth? Turn from your fierce wrath and turn away from this evil against your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your own self, and said to them, I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the sky, and all this land that I have spoken of I will give to your offspring, and they shall inherit it forever. So Yahweh turned away from the evil which he said he would do to his people. Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, tablets that were written on both their sides. They were written on one side and on the other. The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was the writing of God, engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is noise of war in the camp. He said, It isn't the voice of those who shout for victory. It is not the voice of, voice of those who cry for being overcome, but the noise of those who sing that I hear. As soon as he came near to the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. Then Moses' anger grew hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands. 
and broke them beneath the mountain. He took the calf which they had made and burned it with fire, ground it to powder, and scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. Moses said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you have brought a great sin on them? Aaron said, Don't let the anger of my Lord grow hot. You know the people that they are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them take it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. (laughs) When Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them lose control, causing derision among their enemies, then Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is on Yahweh's side, come to me. All the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. He said to them, Yahweh the God of Israel says, Every man put his sword on his thigh and go back and forth from gate to gate throughout the camp and every man kill his brother and every man his companion and every man his neighbor. The sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses and 3,000 men fell of the people that day. Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to Yahweh, for every man was against his son and against his brother, that he may give you a blessing today. On the next day, Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin. Now I will go up to Yahweh. Perhaps I shall make atonement for your sin. Moses returned to Yahweh and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made themselves gods of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, please blot me out of your book which you have written. Yahweh said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sin. Yahweh struck the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. I have a lot of comments on this, but I'll have to restrict it somewhat. For me, this is just a mystifying event. Um, That they would... Moses seems to have gone just disappeared. They don't know what's happened to him. And I guess he didn't know how long he was going to be gone. He never said to them, I'm going to be gone for 40 days. And so they weren't expecting him to be a certain amount of time. And he just seemed to have disappeared. You know, the last thing they knew was God had made covenant with them in in Exodus 24. They all agreed with it. The next thing, their leader's gone. And, And so, but the mystifying thing is why would they make a golden calf? That doesn't just make sense. And, um, well, the first thing <laughs> is I think we can, we can thank the Lord that the reason you don't understand that and I don't understand that is because we do think very differently today. We don't think like them at all. And it's a testament to how far we have come that the Lord has been working in the world over these thousands of years and has actually changed the way we all think so that what happened there just doesn't make sense. It just goes to show how people in the world thought back then was so very different, but also so unsuitable 
to what the Lord wanted. He had to change it, but there was a process. And thank God we've been on the process. So it's mystifying. But there is a, a sort of a reason that I've come to understand. So when the word God is used in the Bible, um, sometimes it's the word Elohim, and, um, and sometimes it's the word Yahweh or Jehovah. Now in this World English Bible, Whenever it's the word Jehovah, they put Yahweh, which we've been reading. But whenever it's the word Elohim, they put um, either God or gods. And the reason for that is because the word Elohim was like the generic word for God. So, you know, today we have a generic word for God, which is God. And even people of other religions, like, say, Muslims, they talk about their God. But if we want to talk about our God specifically, we talk about Jesus or we talk about the Lord or, you know, the Lord God. We, we have a way of where it's pretty clear it's our God. But in the ancient, these ancient cultures, the, word, the generic word for God was Elohim. And the word was plural. So when you would talk about, when you would talk about God, as in you know, the Israelite God, you could say him by name, Yahweh, Jehovah. Or if you call him Elohim, it's still, it's, it's an interesting reference to the Trinity because it's plural. It's talking about one God, but it's talking about him plural. But what the translators have done here is because they're talking about a God that's not Yahweh, they've translated it literally as um, the plural, the gods. You know, let's make us gods. But it's interesting that they don't actually make more than one. They only make one. And in the mind of Israel, these Israelites, they're actually trying to make for themselves God. They're, they're actually trying to make the same God because Aaron says to them, this is, the translation says, this is your God's. But no, it's, it's Elohim, it's God. This is your God that brought you up out of Egypt. And so this is where we've got to try to think like a very ancient Egyptian thinking person. So these were Israelites, but they'd come out of Egypt and they thought like Egyptians. And in Egypt, the leader was like God. So they would look at the Pharaoh and think he was God. But in a weird kind of a way, because Moses was the one that they could see and Moses was the one bringing them out of Egypt, they kind of associate Moses with God. So when Moses dies, they've got no physical representation for their God, so they want to make one. So they... It doesn't make sense that a person would die and they make a golden calf, but in their minds, they're replacing the same thing. It, I know it's not a completely convincing answer, but this is because they thought like ancient Egyptians. <laughs> and then in verse 5, Aaron says, tomorrow we're going to have a feast to Yahweh. So they actually thought that this golden calf was Yahweh. And that's, that's what I'm trying to explain to you. And so, yeah, it is a bit mystifying, but what they were doing made complete sense to them, weirdly enough. So then they have this feast on the very next day, and it says they, they ate and they drank and they got up to play. Well, the World English Bible is just translating it nicely, because that word play means sexual immorality. And we know that too, because later in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Verses 7 to 8, Paul says that 23,000 of them committed adultery. Later on in this chapter, in the King James Version, it, it talks about them being naked. So, you know, Moses is up the mountain and he, God's telling him the people are going wild. 
And Moses is interceding and he's not angry at all. God's angry, but when Moses sees it and he sees naked people are running around the campsite, worshipping a statue, and he's just spent 40 days with God, who's God's been talking about holiness and you know how to sanctify yourself and how to how to worship God. It's nothing like the pagan religions, but they're actually worshiping God like the pagan religions with sexual immorality. That was part of pagan religion. And so Moses now is wild (laughs) and throws down the tablets and they're broken. And uh, we'll get to that in a second, but go back to Moses. He's up the mountain and he intercedes with God and he says to God, you can't wipe them out because what what are people going to say? They're going to say that God couldn't keep his promises. And he gives some other reasons as well. And so Moses convinces God with good reasons. And um, when we pray, it's very powerful if you can give God a good reason. And part of the reason is it when you are fine, really convinced of it, your faith rises and God is moved by your faith. And my daddy always says, God loves a good argument. Well, this is an example of it right here. So finally, Moses comes down with the, the Ten Commandments and... Um, There's some theories about this. It says that these Ten Commandments were written on both sides. We often see, you know, as in the Ten Commandments movie, that they're just like two tablets written on one side. That's a Hollywood depiction. There's different theories. Matthew Henry says two sides, two tablets, like a book, like this. Cecil B. DeMille, of course, it's two tablets, one-sided. Some others, commentators that I have read, have said that it's one tablet written on both sides, but there's two copies of it like a copy for God and a copy for the people. And then there's even people who have other theories, like Stephen Rosenberg from the Jerusalem Post wrote that he thought it was just one tablet on two sides, but that the Hebrew, um, when it was talking about the two sides, was giving the impression of two tablets. I think he's wrong. But there's all this discussion about it. I was telling my wife about it, and she said, well, it's not a salvation issue. (laughs) In other words, it doesn't really matter. But it's interesting just the same. Uh, my final thought on this chapter is that, is that you know, Moses was angry, he made the people drink the, the, the calf, ground down, and then, then the Levites take up that and they go through the camp killing people and 3,000 people get killed. One of the commentators I read in the study light commentary, he said that, um, that how did, you know, 23,000 committed adultery, that's what Paul tells us, but only 3,000 were killed. And he said, how did they know which ones to kill? And the suggestion was they were the ones with no clothes on. You know, as they were going through the campsite with swords, some of them probably, we're just conjecturing, but some of them probably thought, quick, <laughs> this, this isn't working out how we thought, quick, get dressed and act normal. And so if you were going around the campsite killing people and you saw people with no clothes on carousing in broad daylight, you'd kill them. Well. That could be right, I'm not sure. But what's really interesting about it is that 3,000 people die. And this is at the moment of the giving of the law. Now in the law, there's a feast every year called Pentecost. Every year there was Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, and Pentecost was always the remembering of the giving of the law. Well in the New Testament, what happens on the day of Pentecost? 3,000 people get saved <laughs> incredible the numbers match may it maybe it's not an exact 3000 because sometimes the numbers are exact but sometimes it's kind of like a generic figure you know like you would attend an event and say oh there was about 3000 people there and so 
it could be just a, an approximate 3,000. But the fact is that we, we're told in the New Testament that the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so here in the Old Testament, the, as the giving of the law, 3,000 people died. But in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit was given, 3,000 people were saved. And I want to say to you that if you're going to live for Christ and you want to live a life that has the life of, the God, of God in it, you're going to have to do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be able to do that through sheer human effort and determination, which is the law. So we need God's help. So Lord, there's a lot in this chapter, and I thank you for it. And I pray right now that you give to us your Spirit, give to us grace, and that we might live by the power of the Spirit, and we might have that life within us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. Amen.